0: Welcome to BIB Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LePoint, publisher and editor-in-chief. COP26 conference on global climate change is underway in Glasgow. And our prime minister is there, along with hundreds of Canadians who are doing business, the political economic intersections with uh, the planet's stewardship of the environment. Of course, the meeting is uh, hosted by Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, and his representative of Canada, Happens to be in Vancouver this week. Uh, we're privileged to have her here today to discuss COP26, the pursuit of Canada UK free trade, uh, the bilateral relationship. Susanna uh, Goshko is new to the role. September, September. Uh, she was the principal private secretary to the foreign secretary, which I'm sure was quite the wheelhouse during the pandemic. Uh, and the British government was also merging a couple of departments, the Foreign Office and the International Development Department. So hands were not idle as I take it.
1: and we were negotiating Brexit so it was a big package of things It
0: was great. Um, you were posted before to North America. That's right. But this is your first stint in Canada so uh, welcome. Thank you. It, 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 yeah, I was reading uh, your uh, your spouse is a US foreign service officer so you watched Ted Lasso together I presume.
1: Oh dear, I'm afraid I have not watched Ted Lasso. Well,
0: when you do, it's, you know, it's a perfect thing for the family. Just right. just telling you Right, and and you Good know,
1: recommendation.
0: You'll be able to assess it on how accurate it is about British football, and he'll be able to assess it on the basis of how accurate it is about American men. Excellent. Uh, so there I'll you. I'll add it to the list. There you go. Okay. Now, so I've watched these uh, climate change conferences. We used mm. to call them environment conferences mm. for four decades. now. Mm. I'm going back to the Montreal Convention, and um, every time it seems it's like one dentist, meaning you know, the global climate challenge, pulling the teeth of 150 patients in the office slowly, slowly, slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, What makes you think this one's going to be different?
1: Well... I think that, um, as the Prime Minister said just a day or so ago, the urgency of the situation now means that we really don't have any choice but to make this different. Um, I think he described it as one minute to midnight, meaning that we know now the challenges that we're facing with the environment and we know what we have to do. We must get to net zero in terms of emissions by 2050. And to keep 1.5 degrees temperature rise alive, we must have commitments that means that by 2030 we've reduced global emissions by 45% the science is totally clear on this and so this COP, we're working really hard to make sure that we have the mitigation commitments in place to keep that on track. And it's absolutely essential that every country steps up and does that. And I think I would say it's not just the UK doing this and expecting it of other people. We've seen great leadership from a number of countries. So Canada, for example, has upped its commitments on emission reduction from 30 to somewhere between 40 to 45 percent. They've also upped their commitments on climate finance. And so I think you'll see a series of countries coming together now and recognizing the urgency of the situation. We can't be complacent about it. The task is enormous, but it's absolutely critical that we rise to it.
0: The the commitment of money, of course, is uh, profound this time uh, in the way it actually hasn't been at times, it's still, Mm. uh, and that can usually be delivered upon. The difficulty has often been meeting targets, Mm. and the fact that when those targets uh, don't get met, certain cynicism begins to be bred Mm. in the public, right? Is this the kind of conference now that actually establishes a new set of targets that makes some sense and that the public will buy into a little bit better?
1: Well, I think there is quite large public buy into this. I think I remember being told that in the context of your recent election... Climate change was the second most important priority on people's agendas. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: my sense of this is that this is something now that the public are asking the government, demanding the government to take action on. You're right that targets are hard and emissions reduction targets net zero by 2050 Mm -hmm. is really hard and it will require great technological advances to enable us to do that. But the important thing is setting the ambition, making clear that that's the direction of travel, And then that will be the impetus we need for business to swing behind, for the innovation to arrive. And we've already made great strides on this. The UK has reduced its emission reductions significantly over the last few years, all the while growing its economy. So it can be done, but it requires real determination.
0: You often uh, don't learn a lesson until you've actually had a pretty profound trip up of some Mm. sort. The trip ups, probably in our case as a planet, has been that we've had these extreme weather episodes. Time, time, time again. Um, uh, It's kind of a strange question, but have these helped the cause in a certain way in getting the message through?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. There have been some real tragedies recently. I mean, you've had terrible wildfires here in Canada, and Mm -hmm. there's been big flooding all over the globe, and we've seen serious casualties and and damage as a result of that. And this is exactly what scientists predicted would happen, more frequent um, disasters like this and weather events. And so uh, I think it must be a call to action for all of us to recognise that we can't afford to waste any more time. It's, it's this point that I made earlier about keeping 1.5 alive. Um, we've committed that we won't let a global temperature rise go above 2 degrees, but the reality is that we know that in that 0.5, between 1.5 and 2, there's going to be a lot more damage. So that the likelihood of these events occurring is even higher. It's why it's really important that we take action now to keep 1.5 on the table.
0: So your prime minister, uh, the president of the United States, I imagine eventually our prime minister will also say something about the absence of uh, Xi Jinping, the Chinese leader. Um, how important is, if not the discussion during the conference? Mm. What happens after the conference in terms of a further engagement of China?
1: Well there is no solution to climate change that doesn't involve China. It's clear they're the world's largest emitter and therefore they must be part of the solution to this. Um, So we're really keen to make sure they are a part of the conversation. Uh, and and they will be a part of the conversation in the context of COP. So we'll be talking to them about what they can do, and we're already talking to them about uh, their own emissions reductions targets. And so they are key to the solution. And a really good example of that is that Although they are the world's largest emitter, they're also the world's largest investor in renewable energy, for yep. example. Mm-hmm. And they're the world's largest domestic market for zero emissions vehicles. And so there's definitely scope there for us to think about how we work closely with China to bring them in to be part of the solution.
0: Does it, um, it, Is it still, though, a real struggle given that um, business, for instance, doesn't have the same degree of accountability in China that, say, a publicly traded company would mm. have? in our respective countries that, that in a lot of ways the pressure on industry is only a mm-hmm. pressure that exerted by government and not necessarily by the market
1: yes it's an interesting question i think um the reality is that there is no answer to getting to um, net zero that doesn't involve all parts of society so you're right to ask the question the race to zero for example is a really key thing that we're asking businesses to do here and in the um in the BC context, SFU have just joined up to Race to Zero committing that they themselves will be uh, zero uh, emissions um, producers by 2050. So it is critical that businesses are, are part of the solution to it, and that includes China as well as here.
0: Yeah, how, um, how important or how helpful do you think it's been to have COP26 almost adjacent to a G20, right? Where you, you've kind of got a, you've got a string of international yeah. leadership arrangements and and discussions taking place.
1: Yeah I mean I think it's 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 a good thing not least because the G20 talked about climate change and the importance of taking action so that some of that conversation had already begun but has now been broadened out to a much bigger group of people so absolutely and it's great that the world is now able to get back to having these kinds of conversations in person and that was a big thing for both the G20 and it's really important for COP. I mean it it, it's it's a really critical discussion. It's not the sort of thing that could really be done remotely. And the fact that there were people able to come to Rome and then move on to Glasgow, I think is a, a really important development.
0: Sure. Uh, you know, we were talking before we got the interview going about, uh, you know, you're, you're starting to study the country, you're mm. seeing the differences in the regions, mm. you can see it as you fly over, of course, and all of that. And I wonder whether um, it's having any initial impact on informing you about... Um, not just our bilateral arrangement but but the trade arrangement that we yes. have and how there there are very obviously regional differences yes. in how Canada would operate and, yes. and whether that somehow needs to have a reflection one day in how it is that we uh, strike an accord.
1: Yes. Well, it's one of the reasons that I'm so keen to travel um, and this is the third trip I've been on outside of Ontario because I'm in listen and learn mode at mm-hmm. the moment. And part of that is about understanding the differences in this vast country and how the geography affects the, the different bits of the country and really just hoping to learn and understand a bit more about it. And you're right that that will be critical as we think about growing our commercial and economic links, which is absolutely one of my priorities in this job.
0: Yeah. How, how are we closing in on something? Because we have, a, we have an accord now that yes. provides us with preferential treatment for each other. And all of that, but that's not really a free trade deal.
1: No, so that's a, a trade continuity agreement. It, it's designed really to sort of plug the gap between CETA and a full free trade agreement, which mm-hmm. we have high ambitions for. Um Uh, you're right that trade and economic links are vitally important and you know we're all coming through one of the most difficult economic situations of the last few decades with the recovery from Covid and the amount of money that has been spent on that so I've come out here with a clear priority of focusing on growing commercial and economic links on the free trade agreement itself it's a conversation we're keen to pick up as soon as we can I'm hoping to see the trade minister soon and we'll start that conversation and Tomorrow, I'm going to see BC's trade minister, and that will be a key part of any discussion that I have.
0: Yeah. What um, What are your initial impressions of the country that you've arrived in? I mean, you've yeah. been posted to America before. Yes. And so, uh, you know, what, what, what do you notice about us? Yes. Help, help us understand us ourselves.
1: <laughs> well, my initial, initial impressions are just that. I've only been here. Two months so far. Um, it's a cliché to say it, but it's a cliché for a reason. I'm struck by how friendly Canadians are. Oh, yeah. I, I have not been anywhere where I haven't been met by warmth and hospitality. And that's it's really striking, actually, and and a, a tremendous thing about this country. And the other thing is exactly the point about the size of the country. It's something that I find quite hard, actually, to grapple with as a Brit. Yeah. Yeah. You, you really can't go very far in the UK without encountering the edge of the country you 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 know drive for a day and you're at the other side of it yes
0: you empty a tank of gas yes, here between major cities quite mm-hmm.
1: quite so so that the vastness of Canada is just endlessly fascinating to me and I have an ambition to drive from one side of it to the other before I leave here because I'm convinced that the only way that you understand a country is by getting out and doing something like yeah
0: that. just Pick your season, right? right. So, yeah, pick your season.
1: I'm frightened of winter, so it won't be then. <laughs> Are you?
0: Have you been in a harsh winter yet? No. Well, Ottawa, as you know, you know, know the statistic? Did they tell you? No, go on. Second coldest national capital on the planet. Yes, okay. Most, uh, the coldest? Yes, I have heard that. Coldest one. The
1: coldest one is, it's, uh, um, I can't remember, go on. Ulaanbaatar. Ulaanbaatar,
0: that's right. Yeah. Yeah, which you, you know don't you don't want to posting there. there. Yeah, okay. because yeah, it doesn't get as warm as Ottawa. <laughs> um it's so so around the bilateral uh situation. Um I mean we're, we're clearly in still in a, a pretty it's almost a, a an infant stage around the pandemic. It doesn't feel like it's over. Um most of the epidemiologists are still saying we're, we're really going to be hovering around yeah. it and coping with it yeah. for a long time. Um, I think the British national sport is resilience, right? So um, what is it, do you think, that the British experience, the UK experience, can do to help inform Canada about how coping... Well,
1: I think we've done a lot about helping each other through COVID. The cooperation between the two countries has been absolutely phenomenal. Mm. I know, including between our hospitals and talking about genomic sequencing and all sorts of things. So I think actually the pandemic is one of those things that has demonstrated the phenomenal sort of links between the two countries and the similarities between us in a lot of ways. I would say, you said that that we're, we're in its infancy. The difference now, of course, is that we have a vaccine. And so while it's true that COVID is not going anywhere and may be around for some time to come, the severity of it is, as an illness is less of a threat to us because of the vaccine. And so the critical thing for us now is making sure that we can get enough of the vaccine out to parts of the world that don't have it so that that becomes a global phenomenon.
0: Yeah, the, um, the learning out of all of this uh, is applied to almost every occupation. What about yours? What do, how how has foreign service changed, yes. do you think?
1: It's, it's a really interesting question. I was just thinking about that this morning. I think that if you were to look for silver linings in the pandemic, one of them is that we've all got a lot savvier at tech and tech has got a lot better. And what that means in foreign service terms is that those conversations that previously could only happen between an embassy and a government can now happen capital to capital because you can speak to somebody via teams or even via a secure video connection and so we can put our experts directly in touch with each other about things in a way that before as embassies we were often the middleman
0: or you had to you would hop a plane and go see somebody in three dimensions right exactly Mm -hmm.
1: and actually i think there's huge opportunity in that but it does mean that as diplomats we need to redefine what our role is Mm. because it is no longer necessarily having to be the person who is speaking for example to the team working on afghanistan in ottawa about what we're doing there because they can talk to the team directly in london about that Mm. and so there's a question for us as diplomats about where is our added value now And I think there's some really interesting new areas we can get into. I'm really interested, for example, in science and technology. Hmm. And what can I do to encourage links between the UK and Canada on science and technology? Because it's another space where we have similar values, we have similar research, we see the world in a similar kind of way. And the opportunity and potential, if we were to collaborate together, is enormous.
0: When I hear you uh, say that, it also reminds me that maybe what we're also entering is another phase of where borders are not necessarily the be-all and end-all of how we define space and, and the planet, right? Yeah. That in a lot of ways uh, we have we have a lot more interchange uh, than ever with uh, people on the other side of the globe right. all the time.
1: It's much easier to be globally connected.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um, so what are the Canadian things you want to do?
1: Huh. Well, um, during the pandemic in the UK... It's the same way as everybody here was. I'm sure we were scrabbling around for what on earth can we possibly do to fill this another day where we're trapped at home and I have two children and, you know, they they got so bored of going for walks that I designed, it it came up with the idea that we would do a fantasy holiday competition. So we all had a budget and we knew we were coming to Canada and we had to do your fantasy holiday of, of where would you go if this was the budget. And so the things I want to do are the things that we designed in that in that competition. And so the Rockies is obviously one of them. That was m- my pitch was we should go to the Rockies and spend some time there. Have you tried skiing? Uh, I have not tried skiing okay, yet, well, but that's on the list of things. May to not do. be
0: the place to start, but go ahead. Mm. Yeah.
1: No. And the other the other thing that we d- it was a competition to see which would win, and my son won with his pitch for Lake Louise. So we'll also do that.
0: Oh yeah, those are great really good
1: so those are the two things that two places that we want to well, see it means
0: you have to come out here in the west um how much how much does your time uh, get divided now around w- what parts of the country you see because i mean i've i've been in the high commission in ottawa it's a yeah. beautiful little place and great place nice little you know a couple of nice rooms here and there yeah. um but how much time do you think you you want to spend and can spend now
1: yeah well i think i won't be doing my job properly if i'm just in ottawa so um pandemic permitting my plan is to travel as much as I can and so we have four consulates across uh, Canada and I aim to go to each of those at least once a quarter Mm. but then I want to go beyond that as well to the places where we don't have consulates so we're not traveling quite so often so I would aim to be on the road at least once a month I would think and then in terms of uh, splitting my time and priorities there are three big things I want to focus on the first is obviously uh, economic and commercial links the second is climate and what more we can do with canada mm-hmm. uh, post-cop and the third is this piece on science and technology so i broadly plan to spit, pl- spit my time around those three things and those are things that are happening all across the country and where i you know wouldn't really understand canada on those three issues if i weren't traveling
0: two tier one universities in canada yep. one's here yeah yeah so come on Same out twin really good to see you and and uh congratulations on the role it's Thank uh, you. it's uh, it's exciting do you get back are you going to be back to the uk a fair amount by the way i, uh, I should have asked. well
1: it's a good question um my plan is not to go back for a while on the basis that i just got here and there's so much to do in this country sure. and it's also a little bit harder to travel at the moment so you know i, I probably won't go back this year but yeah. you know probably once a year or so but i'm thrilled to be here i can't think of a better job to be it to be in, and a better time to be here. I'm looking all forward to seeing all Canada has to
0: offer. All right, we'll come back and talk to us again.
1: I will. Thank Su- you for having Su- me.
0: Susanna Goshko is the British High Commissioner to Canada. I'm Kirk Lepoint, publisher and editor in chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching.